You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning as we are recording. We are, what, six hours from tip-off of Michigan State Duke. So just to give you a timestamp, we have not played that game yet. Um, Just scheduling, it was way easier to record this before the game than after. Uh, So hopefully everybody's in a good mood after ending Coach K's career and bouncing him out of the tournament and advancing to the Sweet 16. But uh, Scott, as we are recording, it's Sunday afternoon, my time, late morning, your time. Uh, What's going on, my man? Hey, it's March Madness. Can't be disappointed in that. Um, Michigan State's still in it, like you said, as we're recording. Um, Condolences if things don't go our way this afternoon and you're listening to this as a reprieve from those feelings. We won't spend too much time talking about that. Um, But we do have an update on our bracket challenge. So, First of all, a lot of good brackets in here. Uh, I know a lot of good teams have been knocked out already. Kentucky's out. Baylor is out. Uh, who else? Memphis got knocked out. Iowa, Tennessee, Tennessee. now. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there'll be more today. Uh, obviously, a big big day of movement in the round of 32. Half of the round of 32 going today. Um, as it stands while we're recording, Danny Myers. Danny Myers 7 is the name of his bracket. Is in first. with Danny the- Myers of CC Lacrosse fame. There we go. See, I learned something every time. Uh, he's in first, 330 points, but he has lost his champion, Kentucky. So we will see how long that he can hold on to that top spot. Uh, our guy, Nico, right behind him. And somebody else who has a janky username, Tmarku11, is tied for second as well at 320 points, both with a better max available. So we will keep that rolling. It's going to take a little bit, I think, for us to get some clarity as things uh keep progressing through this tournament hopefully after today we'll have a better picture kevin how's your bracket doing so far not too bad my champion's still alive gonzaga um that was you know felt like a pretty chalky pick but i feel like they've been knocking on the door this has to be their year and that drew timmy guy is just such a baller i mean it's unbelievable that you just feed the guy the ball in the post and it's an automatic bucket um, other than that, my final four is a little out of whack. Kentucky's out. I had Loyola Chicago making a run to the final four. They looked putrid against Ohio State. Yeah. Um, threw that one out the window about halftime. So 
Nice. Um, yeah, I, I picked some upsets. Um, I had North Carolina over Baylor, so that was a big win for me. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's I'm I'm just hanging around the middle of the pack in our bracket groups and hoping that Gonzaga gets it done and somehow pushes me to the top of the bracket. But yeah, not too bad. Nice. Yeah, my champion Houston, uh, a little off the wall pick there, still alive, playing Illinois. Actually, right around the time we should finish recording here, twelve ten tips. I got today. Illinois plus four. Okay, well, I am rooting against you. Illinois with the scare against Chattanooga. The one-point win in the first round, but that's why we love March. Um, Yeah, Michigan snuck one out against Tennessee yesterday. A little frustrated by that. Tennessee was in good shape for a long time and uh, just just slowed down at the end. But um, yeah, all eyes on MSU Duke, Izzo versus Coach K one last time. Uh, We'll see. We will see. I don't think it's... What's your March Madness setup? Do you have multiple screens going? Do you have, you know, laptop and a TV? What's are you trying to focus on one game at a time? What's usually, the what's the battle plan? Yeah, usually it's just one TV, just cycle in between, you know, pick two, three games and every commercial break you flip to the other one. Um they I like that they stack it, especially once you get to the second round where you can catch most of the second halves of each game so you can see all the finishes. Um yeah, usually just flip between them, keep an eye on the scores on my phone. Um, I tried, so on March Madness, they're like March Madness Live, you know, the product that they do on their own. They have like the four streams, one channel thing. And I was hoping it was going to be like a split screen, right? But it's this irritating where they're flipping the channels for you. And then half the time, even when the games are going, they send it back to these three dudes in yeah. the studio who are just chopping it up. And I'm like, guys, I... I don't. I don't want to watch this. I want There's to watch literally games. multiple games on right now. <laughs> Action yeah. happening. Yeah, I had yeah, the I same know. thought. Like maybe if you want to put like there's three games split screen. And you want to put them in the corner and they're the ones talking, so you don't hear the commentary or something. Sure, there's definitely potential for that NFL red zone type broadcast, but they just spend way too much time in that studio. Um, but so far, I think I've gotten a good kind of a good balance of, of watching without trying to watch too much. Last night was a lot of fun. You had the um, Arkansas, New Mexico state game coming down to the wire along with the, what was the other one on last Memphis night? Gonzaga. Well, Ima- Memphis Gonzaga. Well, Memphis was getting out that. there. <laughs> yeah. And then you had, I think it was UCLA and St. Mary's. No, no, it yeah. was the um, St. Peter's the pride of Jersey city. Peacocks, for those of you yeah. No, I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. So it we're basically surrounded by Jersey city. St. Peter's is about two miles from my uh, apartment. And I had no idea it existed until they won their first round game against <laughs> Kentucky on Friday or Thursday. So yeah, that was, you texted that to the group and you know, for all the people, all the media people that were tweeting out their stuff about like the budget for coaching compared to Kentucky or whatever. And, and that was your, your tweet or your post to our group chat was the one that really shone the most light on how big of an upset it was. It was like, this guy lives two miles from campus for the last, I don't know what few years you've been out there and you had no idea they existed. (laughs) That's, that's the ultimate sign of what the hell business does this team have beating Kentucky? (laughs) Yeah. So for the next week or so, as long as they can keep this rolling, I'm the biggest Peacock fan around Uh, go St. Peter's. They got that, I don't remember his name, but they got that kid with like the, 
the big fluffy 80s hair and the mustache um so you gotta you gotta do the parade right if they're doing like a sweet 16 parade you gotta be there for sure yeah i might go right by my house who knows and if they don't have a sweet 16 parade i don't know what they're doing man like you got to the sweet 16 at st peter's you got to celebrate this shit man maybe i gotta organize it i gotta make some calls and i'll be like a (laughs) one-man band in peacock blue parading around jersey city on my own peacocking around jersey city if you will there we go. Yeah, yeah so, so it's been a it's been a fun start to the tournament here. Um, I've been throwing around some money on DraftKings. I haven't done particularly well so far, but I also haven't. I'm I'm pretty much staying even right now, which is good. Our guy um, Colin McCory, shout out. He's in Vegas this weekend, um, so not with the DraftKings sportsbook on the app, unfortunately. But he is taking down the casinos. I saw him posting like three different parlays that were like. $40 to win 400 and he hit all of them. I mean, the guy's just a madman out there taking down the casinos. So shout out to Colin. But yeah, if if you are not yet with DraftKings, there is still a ton of tournament action. As you're listening to this, the entire Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, national title game is still available. If you're in Michigan, if you're in New York, if you're in New Jersey where Scott is, like I Anywhere that DraftKings is available, make sure you get in on it. New customers can bet $5 to win $200 in free bets if your team wins. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with the DraftKings pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool, answer prop questions like who will make it to the next round, who will hit the most three-pointers, stuff like that, and they track your results, and you can win some cash. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets. If they do, you win. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, 21 or older restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. So just click on the the episode notes and you will see all of our disclaimers and details with the restrictions. So, Scott, uh, we are not a basketball podcast, as many of you know. We are a football podcast and we're here to talk about football. Uh, A couple big things of note since the last time we recorded before we get into the main event, which is previewing the running back position as we are into spring football. We've seen some of the um, all access video. We've seen some of the clips that the the media, uh, the Michigan state social media team is putting out there. Um, and we've been kind of going through each position. We started with the quarterbacks last week. So make sure you go back and listen. If you haven't already, we'll get to the running backs here uh, in just a moment. But first Scott, uh, some news out of the program, Ben Van Sumeren announced he is entering the transfer portal. Uh, He is still with the team for spring practice. Mel Tucker basically allowed him to just, hey, if you want to, you know, continue to practice, continue to lift with the team and, you know, keep in condition as you're looking for your next home, uh, you are free to do so. And remember, Connor Hayward entered his name into the portal and decided to come back. So, you know, it's not a total done deal that he is gone. So maybe Mel Tucker has that in the back of his mind that, you know, his brother's on the team. He's been on the team. So, you know, you don't want to just kind of banish him from the program once he announces he's in the portal. But uh, if he does decide to leave, what kind of hold does that leave in the linebacker room? How do you feel about him moving on? And 
Um, do you think he'll have a lot of suitors out there? I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, Van Sumeren? Well, he's certainly athletic. Um, he's certainly strong. We've seen all that. Um, I don't know. When he was on the field, he I don't want to say he looked lost. He just struggled to make an impact on the field in the time that he a decent special teams player. But when he was in on defense, um, just never really seemed to make a splash. Um, that said, I mean, he's, he's athletic enough, you know, you got to think there's, there's somewhere out there that could utilize his talents properly, but he is in a really busy room at linebacker at Michigan state this season with a lot of guys with high upside. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think most guys in a position like his, um, not necessarily on field position, but just in a situation like his, Given his profile, you'd think he'd find a home where he can make an impact. Um, he's a good enough player to do that. It's just Michigan State's program seems to be moving at a pace that maybe he's struggling to keep up with to to really make a splash. So with all these transfer guys, you know, we wish him luck. We'll be rooting for him. Plenty of guys now have left the program and found uh, a lot of success elsewhere. So hopefully if he does choose to leave, if he does find a new home, he will uh, find a place where he is It's going to be successful. Yeah, and, and you mentioned him last year, like from what we saw, and I think we saw enough snaps of him to get a pretty clear picture. I, I just don't think he's a starter at Michigan State. Good special teams guy. I think he's a guy that if he decides to come back, like he'll definitely have a role in special teams. But, you know, if he's looking for a starting job, I just don't think this is the place and we'll see where he ends up. Um, he already used up that free transfer, so we might have to sit out a year, but we will see. Uh, other than that, the other big news this week was the Pro Day. Michigan State held their Pro Day. We saw AJR Curie, Connor Hayward, Noah Harvey, Kenneth Walker, uh, who is Kenneth Walker. He made that clear. It is not Kenny. It is Kenneth Walker. The third, Drew Beasley, Anthony Rousseau, Luke Campbell, Matt Allen, Drew Jordan, Jacob Panishuk, Blake Boyder, Kevin Jarvis, and Jalen Naylor all uh, put some kind of testing on the table, do some uh, do some on-field drills. You know, some guys did a little bit more, some guys did a little bit less. Uh, some notable numbers, I guess. Uh, AJR Curie jumping 34 inches was pretty nice. Connor Hayward, they listed in the pro day, like, graphic, which I thought was pretty funny. They had, like, all of the athletic testing numbers. With Connor Hayward, they had 18 bench reps, 35-inch vertical drop, and no drops from the pro day. I thought that was funny. Uh, Noah Harvey, 457 40-yard dash. Uh, if you know, you know. There's a little secret that goes on around pro day 40 testings, and uh, you know, I'll just leave it there. Luke Campbell was doing his uh, bench reps for Ian. The He had um, a pretty cool initiative going on. There was... Uh, uh, foundation that i guess he he either started or joined up but basically he was doing um, people could pledge a certain amount of money per bench press rep that he put up and he was going towards cancer research and he put up 21 reps on the bench so i'm sure he was able to uh to do a lot of good there so shout out luke campbell for that but scott my question coming out of the pro day for you is other than Connor Hayward, Kenneth Walker, and uh, Jalen Naylor, the guys who were invited to the combine. I'll list off the names again if you need to hear them. But um, if you had to stake, you know, your your life savings on one of these guys 
making an NFL roster. I'm not asking to be a starter. I'm not asking to be a pro bowler, but just to make a roster for one year in their whole career. You've got on the offensive line, Kevin Jarvis. You've got Blake Boyder. You've got Matt Allen, Luke Campbell, and uh, AJR Curie. On the defensive line, we had Drew Beasley and Jacob Panishuk and Drew Jordan. And then you also had backup quarterback Anthony Rousseau on that list. So of those guys, the non-combine pro day guys, you got to stake your life savings against one of them making an NFL roster at any point for one whole season in their football careers. Who would you choose? Well, if Tim Boyle can get an NFL contract, why can't Anthony Rousseau? <laughs> Um, no, I joke for those of you who don't know, Tim Boyle played at UConn. He had like what no touchdowns and four interceptions in his it was, entire no, it career. Was, it was even worse than that. It's one touchdown to 13 interceptions. <laughs> Tim Boyle has the most fascinating quarterback career of anybody I've ever seen. If you ever feel like you're just the world's passing you by and your industry is just asking for more than you've got to offer, look up Tim Boyle's story and then come back to the drawing board and understand there's a lot more at play than what you actually think you can do. Um, now, if I have to go with any of those guys, um, I'm temp- I mean, Drew Beasley and Jacob Panashuk were both productive, but I just don't think with their size and athletic profile at that position in the NFL, I, I just don't see it being a popular pick i'd probably go with like kevin jarvis i mean that's big. my answer too he's a just... brawler he he was pretty good his whole career he has a lot of experience he's big enough and at guard you're not asked to do too much that you haven't done before obviously you're going up against i mean god forbid guys like aaron donald but even <laughs> current pros can't block aaron donald um, and you get a lot of help sometimes. So just looking at like a depth guard, second, third string, you play either side. With some versatility, he's played a lot of tackle in his career. Yeah. Like a, I think teams like that out of a backup offensive lineman that like in a real pinch, you at least know what you're doing out there. Like it's it maybe not going to be perfect, but we can put a tight end next to you and help out. Like he at least knows what he's doing at tackle. But he was a guy, we've talked about this a billion times on here. He has only played tackle out of complete necessity. He was way better at guard than he was at tackle. So like people scoffing at the notion, like he's probably not going to be in the NFL and that's okay. But the thing is like he, he was never supposed to play tackle. And so like, if you're looking at his career and saying, man, Jarvis, he just, he was never that good. He was good as a guard. He was like third team all Big Ten as a true freshman at guard. Yeah. But just was forced to play tackle because guys kept getting hurt and kept getting hurt. And we didn't have any depth at tackle. And so yeah, I think he he goes back to guard. He's got a shot at at least making like a practice squad and and teams trying to see if he could be something. But yeah, that that was my pick too. I Kevin Jarvis, I think, has the best shot, but it's going to be long odds for any of those guys to be pretty clear. You know, it's odds are stacked against really everybody, but the combine invites. Yeah. So pro day in the books. Um, if Noah Harvey can run a four five, seven, anything is possible. Um, yeah. And we're on to running backs, right? So we've got an interesting, uh, 
running back room this year. Obviously a Pacific Ocean size hole left to fill <laughs> by left by Kenneth Walker. Um and we're going to talk about how Michigan State is going to try to fill try to fill that hole. Um, so we've got a couple new guys coming in that plenty of folks are familiar with, but if you haven't heard Jalen Berger transferring from Wisconsin, he's played it five or six games at Wisconsin over the course of two years. Jarek Broussard, former Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, running back of the year, um, two years ago, his freshman season. So that was yeah, the COVID 2020. Year. Had a pretty good year last year as well, but not as explosive in terms of the statistics. Um, and then a few guys coming back. So we've got Davion Prim entering his redshirt freshman year. He redshirted last year. You've got Jordan Simmons coming in as a true junior. Elijah Collins, redshirt senior. Uh, feels like an eternity ago that he had that great freshman 1,000-yard season. Uh, Donovan Eaglin, our resident bowling ball, 5'11", 235, entering his redshirt sophomore year and Caleb Wolf. Um, so with that group, Kevin, I'll let you take it whichever direction you want to start as we look at how to replace the production of Kenneth Walker in this offense this year. Where do you go first? Yeah, so it starts with the two guys coming in, right? Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard. I, we've talked about it before, but I think it's going to be a 1A, 1B with Broussard being the 1A, Berger being the 1B. I think they're both going to probably average 10 to 18 carries a game. Um, we were watching and talking about them before we started recording, and Broussard's got some more juice to him. He's got some more ability to make you miss um, than Berger does. So in that sense, you know he's he's going to be able to move past poor blocking a little bit better than Berger, right? If if a play isn't blocked up perfectly, Broussard has a little bit more ability to make five yards where there was zero available or make 10 yards where there was only two available, right? Something that Kenneth Walker was the best in the country at doing where he would turn five yards into 70 or zero yards into 25. But Broussard, has that ability to to make one guy miss in a hole that you don't really expect him to and and suddenly turn a negative play into a positive but i i like both of these guys i like their games and i think they're gonna be like i said that 1a 1b broussard like you said in 2020 was the offensive pac-12 player of the year in six games he had about 900 yards five touchdowns last year in 11 games he had 600 yards and two touchdowns but you know, you look at a running back's production and the team was a lot worse last season than they were two years ago. They were four and eight last year. They were trailing in a lot of games. And so it makes it really difficult to put up those kind of numbers. He was still running about five yards a carry uh, behind a pretty bad offensive line there. You know, the rest of their skill group was pretty bad. So teams were able to stack the box against him a little bit more. Um, but, you know, he's he's a really productive player. He comes in with 1500 yards and 300 carries you know already in the college game so he is fully prepared to come into the big 10 and and step into a starting role where jalen berger like you mentioned you know he has some experience but in his career so far due to the covid shortened season and due to him leaving the team last year pretty early on he only has 84 career 
uh, carries and 88 career touches at Wisconsin and at the college level. So he was a four-star kid. He was really highly rated coming in and he took 15 carries a game, like from game one as a true freshman at Wisconsin, which is really impressive. Um, so Wisconsin clearly saw something that they liked in him in training camp and, and in the season to, to give him that starting role as a true freshman that's rare at Wisconsin. So their coaches saw something that they really liked in him. And then, you know, some disagreements and some things went south and, and he finds his way to East Lansing with all of that potential still in place. So, yeah, I mean, if you ask me right now, we would be something like Broussard getting 17 carries a game, Berger getting 12 carries a game, and then seeing what happens behind them to kind of shuffle some stuff around. But uh, it is going to be a 1A, 1B, in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those other uh, guys who were on the roster last year transfer out. Um, just, you know, it's the reality of the situation, not you're not going to have five running backs getting regular touches. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some news of that, you know, during or after spring practice, but it's, it's a one, a one B situation, but I do think Broussard is pretty clearly the one a as of right now, without knowing how they're developing through the spring and, and the off season. Yeah. Broussard definitely uh, looks like the more, more of a home run hitter. Um, he has the speed. Uh, to to hit home runs not again the, <laughs> when both of these transfers came in there were talking heads depending on where you were looking who were saying you know this guy's going to be the next Kenneth Walker first of all <laughs> um that's bullshit excuse me uh neither of them deserve to to have to live up to that hype Kenneth Walker is a top five running back in in MSU history at least if you're looking at single seasons uh within the program and neither of them possess that kind of skill set. Each one has parts of the skill set. Jalen Berger has some of the power. Jarek Broussard has some of the shiftiness, the cutback ability, but none of them are going to uh, to really fill that void in terms of one player. Um, but a lot of this, I think, and we come down to this with every position group on offense anyway that we discuss, a lot of it's going to come down to the offensive line play. I don't think either of these guys have the bad block erasing ability like Kenneth Walker did. You mentioned Jarek Broussard maybe has a little bit more of an ability to make a guy miss or see a cutback lane, but they're not going to do it with regularity like uh, K-9 did. Jalen Berger's kind of your fall forward guy, your third and one guy when you need a yard. Uh, you know, maybe a hole starts to close up, but he still just pushes a guy back. Uh, Jarek Broussard. I'd like to see if Broussard has a little bit more to his receiving game. He didn't you they didn't try to utilize that much at Colorado. He had a few receptions here and there, but by and large wasn't really a part of his game. Given his shiftiness and his ability in the open field, I think it'd be interesting. That said, we were saying the same thing about Kenneth Walker, and Jay Johnson just really never tried to explore it. So it just may not be a focus um in our offense, just not just last season, but going forward. Um yeah, and then another guy I forgot to uh, preview because I didn't scroll up far enough in our roster was Harold Joyner. So redshirt senior, I think he still has two years of eligibility with that COVID waiver. Um, but 6'4", 215, definitely a different type of back than anyone else on the roster. Um, and Kevin, I know you were probably going to tee up this question, but I'll just dive right into it. Who I think of this group could make a splash outside of those top two transfer guys my answer would be Harold Joyner. 
because he has a different, such a different skill set. He's a big body who can pass block. He's a good receiver. You can line him up outside if you need to. Uh, potentially could see him, I think, in that H-back Connor Hayward split tight end role as well here and there. They're going to have to put somebody there because Jay Johnson absolutely loves that position. Um, Harold Joyner, to you, Kevin, do you see him carving out a bigger role this season? Yes. Yeah, so that was the name I was thinking when we were talking before and I said, you know, who is the guy that was on the roster last year who's still here who could carve out a role for himself, not just, Hey, he's the backup. And when these guys get tired, he's going to get some carries, but a guy who has a clearly defined part of the offense. And like you said, Joyner is just such a, um, a different player that he has the best shot. The thing with Joyner is he has the skill set to be a really good receiving third down running back for a couple reasons because he has really good hands. He's a pretty good route runner. He's also a really good pass blocker. And I think we saw that in his reps last season. The thing is with Joyner that I, I need to see him do more consistently is the guy's got to make some people miss. I don't like if you remember, there was a play against Indiana. It was a third and long, third and 14 or 15, and we swung it out to Joyner on the right sideline. We had blockers out there, and he had space and one guy to beat, and the guy just chopped him down at his legs, forced like a fourth and three or something. And it was just like that seemed to be the story every time Harold Joyner got the ball out in space is he would get out, run a good route, get open, make the catch, and he just couldn't make anybody miss. So I want to see him add that more to his game. But he definitely has that third down skill set, good pass blocker, which is really important in a third down running back, right? That's just just as a quick aside, like people are criticizing um, Kenneth Walker about his ability on passing downs in the draft. And I've seen a lot of Michigan State Twitter saying like, well, he just wasn't asked to be a receiver like you just mentioned there. And that's true, but the thing is, is a lot of the film junkie people out there, they've been, you know, tweeting clips and stuff like that. His pass blocking was pretty bad last year. It wasn't just to the point where it was like, ah, you know, it's not like it was kind of problematic. So um, that'll be something that is important for for Joyner to get on the field. But it's just, man, Jordan Simmons, I, I think we've seen enough of him to this point to kind of know what he is. And I compare him to Ladarius Jefferson and just like he's a guy who could be a pretty good running back at a lower level. But when you're when you're playing in the Big Ten, you got to have that ability to make somebody miss. And he just he doesn't seem capable of doing that. So I, I think we've seen what Jordan Simmons is. And unfortunately, it's just not going to cut it at this level. And then Eli Collins, like, look, man, few people are rooting for Eli Collins more than me, but just between the injuries and the COVID and all the setbacks he's had, it he just doesn't look like the same player he did in 2019. So uh, I would love to be wrong, and I would love for Eli Collins to, to have a statement comeback year, but I just don't see it. And I think that, uh, you know, those guys, unfortunately, are just going to be, if they're still on the roster, they're just going to be kind of, somebody needs a breather, they can get out there for a rep or two, but they're not 
guys that you're making an effort to get the ball or making an effort to get on the field. Yeah, as I was watching Jalen Berger tape uh, this morning, preparing for this, the first thought I had after about 10 plays was he runs like Jordan Simmons, but a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. They both have that kind of foot in the ground, one cut ability on inside zone runs, but Simmons just, he's always had that head down mentality and he just runs to where the play is supposed to develop, whether it works out that way or not. And if he played in a team, Alabama, Georgia, Wisconsin, Iowa, who could open the right hole, you know, more times than not, he might be a pretty good running back. But at a team like Michigan State, where if we're being honest with ourselves, the last five years or so, we have not necessarily always been opening the holes we were intending to. You just, you got to have the patience. You got to have the diagnosis ability to, to, to read the defense and read the play development in a flash and adjust to it. And Jordan Simmons Physically, he seems like he has a pretty good toolkit, but he just never really – and he's only a junior this year. It's only been two years, but he just hasn't seemed to grasp that kind of mental ability to to make the game come to him. And uh, it, it's frustrating because we, we saw it a couple years ago, right? He had a, almost a 1,000-yard season um, – what was that, three years ago now? Yeah, 2019. Um, wow. Um, and Eli Collins – different but similar kind of a known quantity at this point like you said so both guys you can trust if you need to hand the ball off that they'll understand the play call they'll understand the playbook they'll do the right thing but not the type of playmakers that are going to make the difference in winning or losing games in the big 10 uh, and then a couple guys behind them will quickly touch on donovan eaglin and davion prim who he well, had i was seen gonna much. say to cut you off really quick, that I was going to say the only other option that I was thinking of for that question was Donovan Eaglin, just because he's he's 5'11", 235. It, maybe he could get a goal line role for himself. The old uh, the old Ju Kulkrick role yeah. where he he goes into a season and has like four hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns or something. You know, maybe he could carve out that goal line short yardage, third and one, fourth and inches type of role. I don't know. It feels like he, you know, Mel Tucker got to town and, and Donovan England said, all right, there's a lot to football, but if there's one thing I know how to do, it's it's getting bigger and I can always just get bigger. <laughs> and that's all he's been doing since he got to campus. 235 on the roster. Uh, we'll see what he looks like on the field. I would love to see that change of pace. Although Eli Collins at 225 is not far behind them these days. Um, and Davion, yeah, he's Prince got a couple of... inches on it too, though. So, so Eaglin's still that sub six foot bowling ball type of build. And when you're under six foot, you know, the roster's giving you a couple extra inches. Anyway. Right. He's I mean, realistically he was 5'11, 510. He's 5'11 yeah. <laughs> with a helmet and cleats on on a hard surface. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Davion Prim's kind of the wild card here, a little bit more of a prototype running back. Uh, I think entering his second year on campus. Um, haven't seen much of him. Don't expect to see a whole lot of him, but he's fresh enough in the program that he could still surprise us. You know, you get that second off season in the program, the playbook starts to become a little bit more second nature. You get that strength and conditioning for a full, uh, off season on campus. You never know. I don't think we are going to be set with Berger and Broussard in terms of, okay, we got our guys. We don't need anything else. I think there's going to be snaps up for grabs for the rest of these guys. And Kevin, like you said, we'll probably see some percolation in this group. I would expect 
if I had to bet, it's either going to be Simmons or Collins as their days in college are shortening quickly. And if they're going to find a role anywhere, it's going to have to be pretty soon. Um, so we'll see after spring ball. Obviously, this whole the point of this conversation is to prep for spring ball and uh, the spring games. So we'll see. Um, yeah, what comes out of all this? You will not see Jarek Broussard in the spring. He's not on campus yet, to our knowledge. So unfortunately, we won't get our first look at him until fall camp and uh, in the season opener. But Kevin, where and, else? And maybe that kind of gives some confidence to the other guys like Berger to say like, hey, you know, I'm coming in. I'm already here, man. I can I have a real shot to take this spring to establish myself the way that Kenneth Walker did. Like, you know, again, I, I'm not comparing the players, but in terms of the situation, the spring was when Kenneth Walker really started building the hype where, you know, you had guys like Xavier Henderson having quotes after practice and saying like, holy hell, this guy is the real deal, man. Like this, this is something different. And, uh, you know, maybe he can kind of start building his own little hype train around the team and, you know, building his own confidence and saying, this is my team. And I, I don't know, or maybe, you know, these guys that are still there, you know, we're thinking in the mo in the mode of like, yeah, there's probably not many reps available. They might transfer out. Maybe they're sitting there saying like, Hey, this one guy, he's not even here yet. I'm going to, this is still my team. I'm still here. I'm, I know the playbook. I've been playing for this team. I've been playing for the, with this Jersey, right? Like I'm not going to give up that easy. And, and so that, that mentality I think is really interesting too. Um, I was just looking at this, like the, the rushing totals from last year, one thing that's kind of funny. So I, you know, you go back and you think, all right, team rushing yards per game. And you probably think, well, Michigan state had to be up there. We are running back was a borderline Heisman candidate. And, uh, we were sixth in the conference and, 55th in the country in rushing yards per game, which I just thought I thought was hilarious because it shows uh, how much was behind. So Kenneth Walker had about 140 yards a game and the rest of the running backs had and quarterback, I guess, had like 35. <laughs> so um, but I'm so Scott, if you look at last year's Big Ten rushing yards per game, there's a really clear distinction uh, of a line here, and I'll, I'll kind of lay this out. So Michigan State was sixth in the conference in rushing yards per game last year, about 176 and a half yards. And seventh, obviously, 14-team conference, seven is the halfway point. They were right behind us, 173. And then there's about a 30-yard per game drop-off from seventh to eighth. And so it was, a you know, it's, it's a pretty clear line of delineation between not only just the top half and the bottom half, one through seven and eight through 14, but it was also like a 30 yard gap. You see like a, the gap in it's a three yard gap between one to two and then a 10 yard gap and then a 10 yard gap and then a one yards, four yards. And then all of a sudden it's like 30 yards. Like it's a very clear line in the big 10. So I'm wondering, Scott, without Kenneth Walker, Without the workhorse, Heisman Trophy should have been finalist. Do we stay in the top half? So last year was Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan State, Illinois. And then everybody else was a pretty clear line behind them. So can we stick in the top seven 
without uh, Kenneth Walker? Can we stay in that clear line of delineation in the Big Ten, the top half of the conference yards, and just in terms of rushing yards per game for the team? Uh, that's a good question. Um, we we kind of talked about having the two B pluses instead of the A plus plus, or the the B plus and the B instead of the A plus, yeah. and like what does that do for the team rushing yards? And I think this is a pretty easy way to kind of you know snuff that out. Well, at the end of the day, you can only have one ball carrier on each play, right? So somebody's going to have to be in the game earning the yards, and I'm going to say we're going to fall into the bottom half of teams in the big 10 because our offensive line is also taking a step back. Um, I think we're going to have to rely. We talked about this before we started recording. I think we're going to have to rely on Peyton Thorne and the passing game to win us games more this year. Peyton Thorne was a great, well, the passing game in general, don't want to put it all on him. There's receivers too, but the passing game last year was a great supplement to our rushing game. They were in the rushing game, vice versa, was a great supplement to the passing game. I don't think either one was necessarily clearly what we were trying to do more than the other. I think this year we are clearly going to have to try to win games through the air more. That doesn't mean we're not going to try to establish the run, but when you look at last season and the fact that Kenneth Walker probably won us three or four extra games last season, I think we're that those same games will have to be won through the air this year. And I think our strengths are in the passing game this year. So between maybe rushing it a little bit less in general and being a little bit less productive in the rushing game, I think we'll take a step back there. Um, We'll see though. I think with the running backs that we have, the way that my mind processes this with the running backs that we have, the offensive line is going to have to do, more than they did last year. And I think when you look at the guys we have at offensive line and the inexperience at some of those spots, I don't think they will even be able to do as much as they did last year. I don't think, I think if we're lucky, the offensive line is just as good in run blocking as it was last year. I don't, I'd be really happy, but I don't really see a reality where they're even better. And the running backs are a little bit worse. So when you put all that together, probably bottom half, of the big 10, not by much, not going to be the bottom of the big 10, but I think we dropped below that, that midline. Yeah. And that would be just like from last year's now, obviously these are going to change, but just for some context, like that would be dropping to put us down into the bottom half. It would be dropping us like, let's say 30 yards a game in rushing. But if we just kind of substitute those 30 yards rushing for 30 yards passing, that would bump us into the top four in terms of passing yards per game in the conference. So, you know, would you rather be a top four passing team and a bottom half rushing team or kind of, I guess we were number six in passing yards and number six in rushing yards last year. Exactly. Um, So it's kind of that, would you rather be, you know, just middle of the pack in both or a top, you know, kind of top tier or second tier passing, but a little bit below average rushing. It's just kind of a philosophy thing, I guess. But, you know, you look at it, you, you make a good, good point with the offensive line too. And it's just, we're losing so many guys. And I know a lot of those guys we've complained about all, you know, fan bases can, can 
all complain about their offensive line, but let's be honest, we didn't have a top tier group in the Big Ten. But those guys had to start for a reason. The guys behind them probably aren't aren't a whole lot better. Um, and we bring in a transfer. Remember the kid from Washington State. But if we know one thing about Washington State, it's that they're not known for their rushing game, right? They were last season tenth uh, in the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game with about 120. So that is not a team that runs the ball very well, uh, very often. So, you know, you talk about the difference between being a pass blocking and a run blocking offensive lineman. Um, our big transfer so far on the offensive line is coming from a, a, a situation where he was asked to pass block a lot more than he was asked to run block. Washington State in the conference last year was third in pass attempts per game and bottom third, uh, the bottom two, I guess, in rushing attempts per game. So, you know, if if you're going to kind of make that switch in the offense, I think this is going to be the year where you start seeing us air it out a little bit more. And that's not to say that, you know, we're not going to run the ball, right? We're still a big 10 team with a big 10 mentality and a couple good running backs and, you know, we're playing up North in the cold and everything, you know, we're not going to just start air raiding this thing, but like you said, you turn 30 yards rushing into 50 yards passing. You, you drop the attempts per game by five or six, that gives you five or six more passing attempts. And statistics will tell you that passing attempts are more likely to gain more yards than rushing attempts. And um, I think some of the stat nerds go way too far with, you know, how that affects a game. There's a lot of the stat nerds who will say, well, you have to pass the ball because it's more explosive and, you know, this and that. And there are people who have never played football in their lives who will tell you that this coach should be fired because he he runs the ball on first down. Uh, that is ridiculous. And I hate hearing people like that. But um, I think there is still a balance to be had while still trying to be a bit more explosive in the passing game. So, yeah, maybe this is the year that kind of some fundamental changes start happening in East Lansing, or maybe this is the year we find a couple offensive linemen and we start playing bully ball. Who knows? But um, I do like, you know, this running back room in general. I do like the idea of having kind of two B to B plus guys, and then you have a guy like Harold Joyner who can come in carve out a third down role as a good blocker as a good pass catcher um there is not a kenneth walker on this roster there will not be a kenneth walker on this roster probably for the next several years but um that doesn't mean there's not a lot to like in this running back room and um something that we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on all spring so anything else here uh regarding the running backs or anything else before we get out of here scott one more wild card name to throw in the mix. We're not going to spend much time on it, but just uh, just for fun, Dylan Tatum expected to be primarily a defensive back uh, in his time in East Lansing, but was a pretty good running back. Uh, had like 1,200 yards as a senior, 23 touchdowns, first team all Big Ten as a running back in the state of Michigan his senior year. Um, they're going to be looking to figure out how to get him on the field. He's kind of like that Jabril Peppers athlete kind of guy who can do a lot with the ball in his hands or not. Um, so maybe as a freshman, they'll have a little bit of fun. Don't think it'll be a big role. Don't think it'll be a critical role. But, you know, middle of the second quarter, maybe your guys are a little gassed and you want to change a pace or are struggling to get something going. 
don't be surprised if you see him take a couple carries here and there. I think it'd be fun. I always like to have one of those wild card athletes thrown into the mix. But uh, yeah, no, I think we covered it. Uh, running backs, they're in good shape. They're not in great shape, but uh, a lot of wild cards, a lot of things that could surprise us this season. Yeah, it's a, it's a good call there with Dylan Tatum too. And and the other thing is, you know, this is kind of getting down the rabbit hole and we're, we're trying to focus on this spring, not, you know, next year or the year after or something like that. But uh, next year, you already got Kedrick uh, Riscano signed up. So, you know, there's there's no Kenneth Walker again, but the running back room looks to be in good hands for the next few years in East Lansing. But uh, just before we get out of here, one tease is we have kind of settled on something here as far as a contest. So we're going to release the details when the time comes. But just to put it on everybody's radar... There is a contest that will be coming up with a giveaway involved, something that Michigan State fans, I think, will be interested in. So make sure, first and foremost, the first step in this whole process is to be subscribed to the podcast, right? So right now, make sure you're subscribed. You don't have to do anything else at the moment. Um, When that time comes, we will tell you how to get involved in our giveaway. But right now, make sure you're subscribed. And the rest will take care of itself. So uh, subscribe, whether it's on Spotify or Apple. If you leave us a review, that would be phenomenal as well. But the week before the spring game, just to put it on everybody's radar, make sure you're keeping an eye on the social media and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can get all the details on how to enter the giveaway. And uh, I'm sure it'll be something that you guys are interested in. So with all of that said, like we said, we are recording here now about five hours to tip off uh, between Michigan State and Duke. So we are going to start getting ready here. I've got a Michigan State hoodie on. My dog's got the Michigan State bandana on. Uh, my girlfriend is going to be watching. The last time that she watched a whole Michigan State basketball game was the Duke 2019 Elite Eight games. So I got my good luck charm here. Um, so we are ready. Hopefully, As you guys are listening, you are listening gleefully because we are on our way to the Sweet 16, but uh, we are certainly going to be geared up for that one. Scott, anything else? No, that's it. Let's get out of here. So hopefully everybody has a good week, and we will talk to you guys soon. Until then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.